morning and we believe God that you will answer that prayer we sing that from a heart of faith believing God that you will respond and strengthen us encourage us teach us guide us we thank you God you're so good you're so good to us you're so undeserving but you're so good to us and so we thank you and everybody say it with me Amen. Tell someone beside you before you sit down, you can do it in a cool way if you want. Just say, God is so good to me. Do that. Go ahead. Uh, you didn't sound very cool. It sounded pretty boring, actually. All right. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And uh, we're looking at verses uh, 3 to 5. Verses 3 to 5. And um, before we get to that, let me just remind you that we have just begun a series um, called Just Do It. And we used as our um, logo the, the Nike logo. And I'm not, it's, it's not that I'm pushing Nike in any way, shape, or form, although I do think it's a good shoe. Uh, I love what it stands for. That logo, the stylized V, it stands for victory. And their slogan, just do it, means you're not making excuses. You're not postponing anything. You are not procrastinating. You're not waiting for the right conditions. You're just doing what you got to do so that you can be victorious, so that you can be the victor. Nike, by the way, is a Greek word which means victory. So wonderful, wonderful metaphor for the Christian life. Now, here's the thing. I'm concerned that so many believers are not walking in the victory that Jesus calls us to. I'm concerned. The Apostle Paul says that we're more than conquerors through Christ. And the question is this, is that what has happened to us? Where is that victory? We have so many believers today who are depressed, so many falling into temptation. So many are struggling. They've got no joy. They're fearful. They're full of worry. They're uh, chronically worried. They're financially uh, unstable. They've, there's bitter relationships. And the question is this, is, is what's happened to us? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, the church in Galatia, he says this, he says to the Galatians, what on earth has happened to all your joy? What's happened to your joy? Where's the smile on your face? Where's the radiance? Why are, you, why are you so heavy? Why are you so down? What's going on? And so the question I ask you this morning is, are you walking in victory or are you walking in defeat? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the question this morning is this, are you walking in that victory? Are you walking in that abundant life that Jesus has promised? I love what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's a picture of vibrant Christianity. That's the picture of triumphant, victorious Christianity. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to have problems. In fact, the Apostle Paul isn't saying that. 
He's saying, though, that in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of your struggles, you need to do the Christian thing, which is to rejoice, to be thankful, to be at peace. Don't be anxious. Be gentle. You see what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the Christian life that is victorious. So the question is this, is how do we live this victorious life? How do we live in this state of rejoicing, being worry-free, of being thankful, being peaceful? How do we do it? Well, very simply, by trusting Jesus. Now I could say, okay, you can all go home now. But the question is this, do you really know what it means to trust Jesus? So I have to explain that to you this morning. So it's going to take us a few more minutes. Some of you have on your wall, trust in Jesus. And it's a great, great motto to have on the wall. It's a great slogan, a great plaque. And some would say it was a a platitude. But the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean to trust Jesus? Well, I can tell you very simply, to trust Jesus means that you just, you ready for this? Just do what he says. You show me somebody who's trusting Jesus, I'm going to show you somebody who's doing what Jesus says. You see, you can't trust Jesus without doing what he says. True faith is trusting Jesus, and that means doing what Jesus says. In the 1980s and the 1990s and even into the year, uh, into the, to, to the, um, to the 2000s. What do you call that? 1800s, 1900s? 2000s. Uh, we have, uh, in this decade, how's that? Uh, in this decade, lots of talk about faith and having faith and, and, and having the faith to believe that something's going to happen. I gotta tell you something. I'm gonna just, just, Shut all that down and tell you this. There is no faith without actions. That's what, that's what the, the, that's exactly what James said. Faith without works is dead. So here's the thing. If you're going to be a man of faith, a woman of faith, then you have to do what Jesus says. And this, my friends, is the beginning of victorious Christian living. You will have no victory. You will continually, continually walk in defeat if you don't do what Jesus says. And so I'd like you to say with me, uh, this, this special phrase. And, uh, hopefully it'll be, uh, 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 a phrase that will stay with us. And here it goes. Ready? Repeat after me. Raise your left hand. No, I'm just kidding. Put your hand over your heart. <laughs> Victorious Christian living begins with immediate and full obedience to Christ. Oh, that confused you. That was too many words. That was one, two, three, four. That was six, seven, eight words. That's too many words for you. Here we go. Victorious Christian living begins with... That's five words. Victorious Christian living begins with immediate and full obedience to Christ. Say it. Immediate and full obedience to Christ. That's the beginning of victorious Christian living. So let's say it one more time. Victorious Christian living begins with immediate and full obedience to Christ. Last week we talked about the help of the Holy Spirit because I said that you can't be obedient to Christ in your own strength. I can't, and you can't. And Jesus knew that. Thank God we have Jesus who became a man and understood what it's like to be a human being. And he knew full well that we didn't have it in us to be obedient to God. So you know what he says? He says, when I go, well, first of all, he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And knowing how difficult that would be, he said, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit or the paraclete, as it is in the Greek, which means the one who is alongside you. So wherever you go, he goes with you. You you can't lose him. And we said this about the Holy Spirit, that he, he, he is 
God's presence with you at all times. And because, because you have God's presence with you at all times, the idea is that his presence will influence you to do what is right, to do what pleases God. The second thing we said is that the Holy Spirit will counsel you. He's also called the counselor. He will give you wisdom. He will remind you what Jesus said so that you will obey God. And then we said that the Holy Spirit will prompt you and lead you in the right way. As a father, I've got three children. I know what it means to prompt the kids to go in the right directions. Where you go? Go. Go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You parent, you know what I'm saying. This way. You prompt them. You a little jab, a little poke sometimes. That way. Not that way. That way. This way. <laughs> If you're carnal like me, it's this way. Holy Spirit prompts you in the way you should go so that you obey Jesus. But can I just remind everybody of this? As a parent, I want my kids to obey me for their good. I'm prompting them for their sake. Do you see what I'm saying? And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He prompts us for our sake. So Denny Chow comes after me, up to me after the service last week. And he says, uh, you know, you and I must have a different Holy Spirit. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> How so? He says, well, he says, You're, you say that the Holy Spirit just kind of pokes you, prompts you. He says, well, the Holy Spirit pokes me a few times and then gives me a good smack. <laughs> I thought that was really good. He gives a good smack, gets him going in the right direction. I want to tell you something, my friends. God disciplines those he loves. That's what the Bible says. Don't despair when God disciplines you because God disciplines those he loves. He sets you in the right direction because he loves you. So here it is, my friends. In your own life, in your own life, every defeat that you have experienced, every defeat that you are experiencing, it's a direct result of your disobedience to either God or to your parents. Did you know that? Your disobedience to God or to your parents is what has brought defeat into your life. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, hold on a minute here. You're putting parents on the same level as God? Let me tell you this. In the Ten Commandments, there's a commandment. One of our Ten Commandments, I don't know if you realize that, says this. It says, obey your mother and your father. And the the the... The, the Apostle Paul says this is, this, is, this is the one commandment that comes with a promise. No other commandment comes with a promise, but this commandment does. It, if you obey your parents, then you'll have the blessing of God on your life. Now, why does God establish that? Why is that so important to God? I'll tell you why. It's because it's exceedingly important that from the very young, youngest of age that we grow to serve God and to obey Him. And because God knows that we're no good on our own, he gave us parents. And the parent's job is to lead their children in the way that they should go so that when they get to the age where they're on their own, they'll continue to do what they've been taught to do. You get that? Extremely important to understand that. First of all, parents, so that you understand your responsibility before God to train your children to love and serve him. And so you understand how important it is for you to obey and serve God. Now, here's the thing. We come to Luke chapter 17. Let's take a look at this together. Luke 17, 3 to 5. And Jesus says to his disciples, So watch yourselves. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. 
I love the apostles' response to that. They say, they don't say, oh, right on, Lord. Great teaching, Lord. That's cool, God. That's really neat. Neato, hallelujah. No, they don't say, you know what they say? They say, increase our faith. Now, you can hear the, the exasperation in their voice. They, they are like, you got to be kidding me. You don't, are you serious, Lord? You want us to actually forgive someone seven times? And God's saying yes. Jesus is saying, yeah, that's, that's what it means. That's what it means to obey me. You have to do what I say. So I'm gonna, I want to share with you this morning. The very first thing you need to recognize about this Christian faith of yours and mine is that it's not easy. Some people thought, oh, all I had to do when I became a Christian is just come to, come to the altar, kneel down, and say a prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for taking to me to heaven when I die. Amen. I'll see you when I get there. If you thought that that was what it meant to be a Christian, now I want to apologize to you on behalf of the church and behalf of any preacher that you heard that from. That's just simply not the gospel. The gospel that Jesus has called me to preach is a gospel that calls you into obedience to Christ. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. And here's what you're obedient to. You're obedient to some very tough commands. And we just read one of them. And one of them says, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, that seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. In other words, Jesus is saying, there's no limits on your forgiveness. Keep on forgiving. Forgive again and again and again and again. How many times is that? And again. And it gets quite monotonous, doesn't it? But guess what? This is the Christian life that Jesus has called you and I to. It's not easy. And the thing is this. I said it last week. I'm going to tell you again. You can't do it in your own strength. You just don't have what it takes. So listen to these. I went through the, the Sermon on the Mount real quickly this morning. Just, just uh, made a list of some of the, the simple commands of Christ. How many know that the Sermon on the Mount is called the Constitution of the Kingdom of God? It's, you know, the American Constitution? And we got one too, I think. Something to do with Trudeau, right, Kevin? Yeah. Good liberal, yeah. Uh, we, we, we've got a Constitution. The Kingdom of God has a Constitution. And uh, it's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 to 7, if you want to take a look at that. And I believe every Christian ought to read that at least once a month. But listen to some of the, some of the commands that Jesus gives us. And, and it's, it's pretty amazing. The first thing he says is that you've got to be perfect. Oh, I don't remember reading that in the Bible. I'm not perfect. Does Jesus really want me to be perfect? Jesus says that your, your righteousness has got to exceed the Pharisees. In fact, you've got to be better than the most righteous people on earth. Whoa, 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 I can't do that. Yeah, you're right, you can't. You need the, you need the, the perfection of Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian, is that when you become a Christian, you take on the perfection of Christ. You take on the righteousness of Christ. That's a tough command. It means that if anyone is angry, uh, it means if you're angry at your brother, then you're subject to judgment. Did you know that? Whoa. You thought that you could get away with being angry at people. You can't. Not if you're a Christian. The Bible says clearly you're, you're subject to judgment if you're angry at your brother. Oh, and it gets even better. Listen to this. Kevin, I'm sure that this has been a temptation for you in the, in the house. Anyone saying you fool will be in danger of hell. Boy, don't you feel tempted to say that to your kids, your spouse, the person you work with, the opposition? 
Jesus, I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this. Anybody calls his brother a fool is in danger of hellfire. Wow. These are tough commands. Can you just hear the disciples' exasperations? Oh, gee. <laughs> Give us faith. Increase our faith. Jesus says, well, this is a good one. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Do we have any people missing an eye this morning? Jesus says it's better to have one eye in this life and go through eternity in hell with two eyes. Tough commands, folks. Tough commands. You don't see Buddha saying that. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, Jesus says. It's a tough command. Jesus says, uh, love your enemies. Jesus says anybody can love people that love them, but to love your enemies, that's a true test of your faith. That's quite a command. Love your love, love my enemies? The, the, you mean the, the neighbors who keep me up all night? I've got to love them? Uh-huh. You mean I've got to love those who say bad things about me? Jesus says pray for those who persecute you. The people who put you down, you're supposed to really pray for. The people that hurt you, people that mock you, make fun of you because of your faith, those are the ones Jesus says, you gotta, you got you to pray for them. And you're like, oh, I'll be glad to pray for them. God, get them. No, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a prayer for good for them. Wow, this is tough. This is tough stuff. Then Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Someone slaps you one cheek. Go, here's the other one. And then the, the, you know the joke? I turned all my cheeks. <laughs> I got none left. <laughs> I'm going to get even. No, we're not talking about that. Jesus says, uh, go the extra mile. If anybody asks you for anything, give it to them. This is radical stuff. I'm telling you, you can't do this on your own because your impulse is to do the opposite. Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Because you can't love God and money. Can I ask you a question? How many of us are storing up treasures in heaven? This is what Jesus tells us to do. Most of us are doing all our investments on earth. We've got nothing stored up in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to be a pauper. If there's a third world in this world, perhaps there'll be a third world in heaven, and that's where you'll be if you haven't been investing in eternity. And listen to this one. This is because I think this is the sin that is the most common in the church. You ready for this? This person beside you, I'm sure. That person beside you is guilty of this sin. Let's see if anybody blushes. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. It's a command. Don't worry. Most of us think, oh, yeah, I can, I can worry. No, you can't. Jesus said, don't. Don't do it. You're not supposed to. Stop it. You thought you could be fearful. You thought it was okay to bite your nails off. By the way, I'm talking about biting your nails because you're afraid, not because you've got a bad habit. Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus said, don't judge. Now, I'm telling you, my friends, this is, this is real Christianity. This is a Christianity that calls you to live radically for Christ, to follow him to the extreme. 
That's what Jesus is looking for. And I'm going to tell you this today. If you do these things that seem so absolutely absurd, if you do these things, you will begin to walk in victory. You will have joy in your life once again. The the peace will fill your heart once again if you start obeying the commands of Christ. I'm not trying to gloss over anything. I'm telling you, it's tough stuff. But here's the thing. I reminded you of this last week. Jesus said, I will send you the comforter. I will send you the counselor, the, the Holy Spirit who will help you do these things. These are tough commands. And Jesus says, we need to trust him. And to trust him means we do what he says, do these things. And so the disciples understand this because that's what they say in verse 5 here, Luke 17, verse 5. They say, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Help us to trust you because we can't do these things. This is all absurd to us. Yeah, it's absurd. It doesn't make sense. They're saying, Jesus, help us. They're saying, Jesus, you've got to be kidding. Are you sure this is the way you want us to live? And Jesus says, yeah, absolutely. And so Jesus Help us to trust you. Give us the faith. I want to tell you something right now. You want to have victorious faith, victorious Christian living, then start doing exactly what Jesus tells you to do. You say, well, I'm not sure what Jesus wants me to do. Well, shame on you. You've been a Christian all these years. You still don't know what Jesus wants you to do. Get your Bible out and start reading it. Find out what Jesus says. Find out what Jesus commands of you. And you'll know exactly what you need to do. And you start doing that and watch the victory roll in your life. Watch things start working out right for you. Watch things become corrected in your marriage and in your family and in your relationships. They will correct themselves. And a reminder to you, God's going to do everything in his power because he's a loving Heavenly Father. He will do everything in his power to help you do what he wants you to do. Don't despair when God disciplines you because God disciplines those he loves. I'm going to tell you something. The word faith is just another way of saying trust Jesus. And my Bible's clear. The only way I can trust Jesus is by doing what he says. I trust him. I trust that what he says is the right thing for me. Because my instinct is to do the opposite. My instinct is not to be nice. It's to be mean. And don't sit there so pious. I know you're thinking you're the same way. I know that. You, you want to get even, don't you? Of course you do. Someone cuts you off, and what do you want to do? You don't want to say, well, God bless you. Thank you for that. <laughs> You want to get, I'll show him I, I got six, I've got a hammy under my hood. I'm going to show him. That's your instinct. Jesus, Jesus is giving you a brand, new, a brand new nature. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul called it what? He called it, you're a brand new creation. You're a brand new creature. You live a different way now. In fact, the Bible says, don't live according to the flesh. Don't try to satisfy the flesh. Satisfy the Spirit. Do what the Spirit's prompting you to do. So you trust Jesus. You say, Jesus, my impulse is to... Yeah, I'm a pastor. (laughs) You feel the same way. I know you do. And Jesus says, don't follow the impulse. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. Say that. I love you. This is true Christianity, my friends. We uh, lived on Coburg Avenue, 31 Coburg. Sharon, you remember my house? Sharon's house was just down the street from ours. And um, right next door to us was a little Ukrainian lady. And some of you remember me sharing this not that long ago. But um, we were just we were four kids. 
I wouldn't say we were wild. I'd just say we were kids. And between our houses, there was, uh, there was some fresh mud. How many know that fresh mud is really a lot of fun? Anybody know that today? Yeah, it's great fun. I still love fresh mud. And uh, between our house, fresh mud, and Mrs. Toplenicki's house, nice white wall. Fresh mud, white wall. Come on, do the arithmetic, folks. You can do that. White wall, fresh mud. Let's see how well it sticks. That was fantastic. Joff, you try it. (laughs) One of my friends, Herb, is there. Herb Vilhaber. Herb, you try. We had some great chunks of mud stuck to that side of the wall. We were having a ball. Mrs. Toplenicki was not having a ball. She saw it. She looked through the window, saw what we were doing. She came out, and the first thing she did is the first kid closest to her, she slapped him across the face. We quickly got the hose out and washed all that mud off, which is just about as much fun. But we made her mad. I want to tell you something. I was about nine, nine or ten years old. I was already, I'd already given my heart to Jesus. And I already knew what it felt like to have the Holy Spirit work in my heart. And I knew I had done wrong. And I, know, I knew that I'd, I'd, I'd hurt her. And so you know what I did? I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me. Remember I talked about that? I didn't need a smack on this one. We already got the smack. <laughs> I, got, we got it, we got, I got a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I had a paper route, and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some of my money from my paper route. I'm going to buy Mrs. Toplenicki a rose. I knocked on the door, and Mrs. Toplenicki came to the door, and I handed her a rose. I had no idea if she was going to wind up and let me have it again. I had no idea what she was going to do. You know what she started? She started to cry. The tears, big tears just ran down her cheeks. She invited me in. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart at that moment. It's just a young boy. How important it is to respond to the promptings of the Spirit to do what God has called us to do as Christians. Because the natural, the natural reaction to having an old lady slap you in the face is to do what? Well, to pick up more mud, of course, and let her have it. <laughs> but as a believer, our job, our calling is to love those who hurt us. I'm going to tell you something else, my friends. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you if he hasn't already. Uh, every time you get into a difficult position or every time you have a fight, you're not always right. Did you know that? Sometimes you're wrong. And uh, I found that I've been wrong more often than you can imagine. Ask my wife. <laughs> Your job as Christian, as a Christian, is to do what God's called you to do. Now, here's the thing, folks. The next thing I want to point out to you. Jesus says here in Luke 17, verse 3a, he says, watch yourselves. What does that mean to watch yourself? I'll tell you really clearly. It means to make sure that you guard your heart. You do what's right. Because Jesus knows what our instinct is. Our instinct, our impulse is to do wrong. That's, that's right. And, and we saw that in the first Adam, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, the first thing they did when, when they were given the opportunities, they did wrong. And that's why the apostle Paul said we needed a second Adam to come along and show us the way to do it right. The first Adam failed, the second Adam got it right. Who is the second Adam? Jesus. The second Adam got it right. Now here's, now watch this. Jesus, the second Adam says this. I know full well how difficult it is for you 
to follow my command. So this is what you got to do. You got to watch yourselves. What does that mean? Well, in Matthew 26, 40 to 41, it says, says this. Then they returned to his disciples. This is, this is Jesus just hours before he's going to the cross. Just hours before he's going to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And it says this. Then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked them this question. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? To keep watch means to pray. Could you not keep watch one hour? Do you pray? I'm telling you, my friends, if you don't pray, you're not going to make it. You're going to be letting Jesus down all over the place. If you are not praying and asking God for help and direction and strength, then you are going to fail consistently and you are going to have a very defeated Christian life. If you want to walk in victory, if you want to make it spiritually, then, my friends, you're going to have to become people who pray. Now, listen to this. These disciples are with Jesus in the garden, and they're praying. Jesus says, can you keep watch with me for just one hour? And listen to what Jesus says. Verse 41, Matthew 26, 41. Listen, watch and pray. Watch. So watch yourselves. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, can you? don't you see how much Jesus understands you and me? He knows that we are prone to, to sin. He knows that we're prone to fail. We're prone to do things wrong. And so Jesus sets for us an example. I'm going to tell you, the example of Jesus praying was so, so real and had such an effect on the disciples that the disciples actually, it's the only time we ever see anything like this. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray too? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, we see how powerful, what a powerful effect prayer has on you. Would you do, would you teach us how to pray so that we can experience the same thing? And so Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Now, folks, folks, listen to me. Most of us have a vague idea about the importance of prayer, but the fact of the matter is that most of us, the only times we pray is before we eat, and usually it's rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub. Amen. That's about it. That's about the extent of our prayer life. Or you pray just before you go to sleep. Just little God bless auntie and uncle and, and the kids and my wife and, <laughs> and fall asleep on God. That's the extent of your prayer life. And you wonder why you're so defeated. You're wondering why your Christian life is you're not on top of it. You wonder why you haven't got the joy. You wonder why you don't have a smile on your face. You're defeated, my friends, because you're not going to God for the help that you need and the direction that you need. You can't do it on your own. It's arrogance. It's pure arrogance to suggest that you could follow Jesus in your own strength. You can't do it. I can't do it. I've been a Christian for, since I was eight. That, I guess that means I've been a Christian for almost 40 years. I've been in the ministry for 25, and I still can't do it. In fact, I'm finding it harder and harder all the time. What arrogance to think that we can live a Christian life without asking God for help. My friends, if you want to have victory in your life, then you're going to have to start obeying the commands of Christ. They're tough, but you're going to have to start trusting Jesus that what he says is best for you and for me, which means you're living a life that's totally contrary to your nature. It means following, following Christ's impulse rather than your own impulse. I'm going to tell you, 
If Jesus tells his disciples to watch themselves, to pray, then so must you and me. I heard this morning that one of the best-selling stocks is Lazy Boy. You heard me. It's Lazy Boy. The Lazy Boy company right now is on the top of their game. And the, report, the person reporting said that it really was the bestseller. And I don't know, I don't know how true it is. I just, just saw it on, on, on TV, on the news. I want to tell you something. It's, it's really no coincidence because we really are very lazy. And, and everybody said? We're lazy. We, we don't want to take the time to know the commands of Christ, even though those commands are going to give you victory in your life. We don't want to take the time to know those commands. We don't want to take the time, take those steps of faith to do the hard thing, to do what Jesus says rather than doing what we want to do. You, you, you don't hear about work hard boy. You hear about lazy boy, but no work hard boy or study hard boy. Lazy boy, let me just be a couch potato for Jesus. <laughs> I just want to sit there and do nothing. I just want to just pray and worship and read my Bible uh, when I feel like it and read the good passages that make me feel good. I don't just listen to the sermons that make me feel good. Yeah, we're lazy, boy. We don't want to pray. There's no pray hard, boy. You need it. Jesus wants you to walk in victory. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have difficulties. Things aren't always going to go right. But God, by His Spirit, is prompting you and leading you to the path of victory where you're not walking in defeat, where you actually get a smile on your face again. Not because everything's perfect, but in spite of the difficulties that you may be going through. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to walk in victory. He doesn't want you walking around defeated anymore. He wants to see a smile on your face. He wants to see you rejoicing and thankful. He wants to see you to, at peace. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you right now that we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are victorious through Christ. But it's through Christ. We're doing things His way. So help us, Lord, today to take hold of these tough commands and to trust you and to do what they say in spite of how we feel or what we think. It's hard, Lord. It's so hard to do these things. But you've shown us how to live in this world and how to live this Christian life. You've shown us how important it is to pray, to watch ourselves so that we would live a life that was pleasing and acceptable to you. God, thank you today that the words trust Jesus is not just a platitude, but it's a recipe for success. It's a recipe for victory. And so God, help us today to live a life that pleases Jesus, to live a life that puts into practice the commands of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this life that's ours in Christ. We are more than conquerors. I need you.